The Start. On Demand. On Demand. One person has died in an explosion at a Winnipeg homeless encampment. That prompted a listener to reach out and share her experience with near homelessness via text message. So we'll talk a lot today about the choice to stay outside. Here's the headline. The end of the 9 to 5 workday. Good riddance. Is this going to be the end of the 9 to 5 workday? Mental health and work. Are you changing your mind on the whole idea of working from home? And Happy Gilmore debuted 25 years ago on Tuesday. So today we talked about our favorite comedy feuds. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Wednesday, February 17th podcast for The Start. Numbers could potentially be the theme of this first segment because, Greg, you discovered some numbers this morning, which we'll share in a moment, that were not particularly good. But you also have been uh, looking down the road, so to speak, and you say there's some hope. Yes, light at the end of the tunnel as it pertains to the forecast. Sunday looks good. Monday looks even better. The whole five-day forecast is freezing. What about day six? Freezing. What about day seven? Rob, what is it? Plus one. Plus one. Plus one. You wait so long for something like this. So the days aren't exactly accurate, Loren, but uh, Sunday in the forecast right now, minus one, plus one for Monday. That's, of course, one of the best clips ever from Rick Mercer Report. At Environment Canada, you'll frequently see a plus one somewhere near the end of our seven-day forecast. We put that there to keep you from going to dark places mentally and possibly destroying property. <laughs> now, our good friend David Phillips from Environment Canada has never confirmed the strategy, McNabb, but uh, for me, it falls under the category. It's not a fact. I just know it's true. Hey, I was out there just about an hour ago with the dog. It was 4.20 a.m., maybe an hour and a half ago. And I thought, huh, feels pretty good out here. And uh, it's still minus, what, 24 or something right now? So, <laughs> you know, it's all relative, right, Brett? Yeah, I, I noticed the same thing I, as I was coming in today. I thought, ah, this actually doesn't feel too bad. It's funny how quickly we, we get used to something awful, you know. And even two weeks ago, three weeks ago, had I said the temperature is minus 23, I would have thought that's awful because we were spoiled this winter. But then after over a week of extreme cold, I don't think we even had that last year. I can't With quite that remember. Stretch? Yeah, like a full seven day stretch of extreme cold like that. No, no. And in fact, was it not longer? I feel like it was 72 days that we just went through. No? Felt like it was 72 days of straight cold. I feel like, I feel like your math's off, speaking of numbers. Okay, it was fine. at least 10. Come on, don't give me seven. That was at least well, I said at least seven days. It was a niner. Fine. A niner. <laughs> so, but yes, it's, uh, it, it feels better. And what it, what's the, the forecast high for today? It, uh, oh, of course, I don't have that in front of me. Uh, uh, minus t- 15 today. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Yeah, that's good. Like, I might not even need to put on my face warmer when oh, I'm walking no. home today. Take it easy. What? <laughs> You're going to be that guy. Take it out. It's so warm. I don't know why I always have a walking song for you, but I have one <laughs> that's for all, all I occasions. Do. <laughs> and now I have one for when you're like, woo, it feels like spring is in the air. Taking off this neck warmer. No need for 
for you, my friend. That's See you right. next year. Well, and my beard is a little extra fuzzy this uh, this week, so <laughs> that can act as my face warmer. It really reminds me I should have taken care of that. But, Greg, what was the other thing that you uh, noticed when it pertains to numbers? So I went through the Tim Hortons drive through for my tea, and uh, that made my day because uh, I get delightful service on Henderson Highway. And then I came out of the drive through and I looked to my left and I did the double take because I'd filled up for uh, gas with gas yesterday on Gateway for and I took out my receipt just to double check for a dollar four nine per liter yep dollar fifteen nine this morning wow yeah that's quite the jump 11 cents for those that uh, don't quite have their math brains on right now at this hour of the day yeah and so you sent that text just as I was getting in my cab so I uh, took a look at the Shell station at Roslyn and Osborne, and sure enough, they have also jumped to a dollar fifteen nine. You were checking gas, buddy, this morning, and you said it was still wasn't showing, right? Yeah, still not showing. So, I, you know, when I send those tweets out, I know I really hadn't been out since three o'clock yesterday afternoon. Didn't notice it then. So uh, I didn't want to go out on the limb and say that it had happened overnight, but it would appear as though that perhaps it did happen. Essentially overnight and some gas stations you might see it for a dollar three a dollar four so if you do jump all over that because um can't say for sure but it appears as though the price is going to go up right across the city does this have to do with the snow in texas i think it must because uh when we were speaking when we were doing our business report yesterday was with bryce matlashewski he mentioned the fact that some of the refineries have had to shut down uh, we saw oil go up above 60 dollars a barrel for the first time in an awfully long time the canadian dollar i think went up a little bit as well in response to that so yeah so uh blame it on the cold weather even though it's leaving us it's still hanging around and Texas, Loren. So yeah, that, Texas it's to always... Maine. They're saying that the, the this is the reason why gas and home heating prices have gone up two fifty three a gallon uh, in the states, and so uh, that's fifteen cents up from last month, according to articles down there. I have no idea how to do the conversion from gallons to liters, to be honest. But it's it's more one in <laughs> four, that? one in five, something like that. It's an imperial gallon, and there's a U.S. gallon, so they're both different. They're obviously different from one another. I. I, I don't know. I Somebody should ask, listening knows. I should ask my dad if he's got a conversion chart because I went into, when I went to see Smash Gordon a couple of days ago, I look in his fridge and he's got this Celsius to Fahrenheit converted conversion chart. And I said to him, why do you have that on your fridge? Because he had, didn't have it up there the, a couple of days earlier. And he, I guess he was watching some American news and they were referring to Winnipeg's cold and they were referring to it in Fahrenheit. Okay. He, so he used to know the full scale because I guess he grew up with Fahrenheit, but he couldn't quite remember. And he says he remembered he had this chart buried in some pile of papers, so he pulled it out. <laughs> so we sat there looking at the Fahrenheit to Celsius thinking like, how does, I don't, I do not understand how Fahrenheit works, like it, like at minus forty, they're the same. Yeah, it's the same. Yeah. yeah, they converge somehow, and then I don't know. After that, McNabb is is Fahrenheit colder than Celsius? Don't ask me. We had this whole cold conversation in our neighborhood the other day, just outside talking, and I don't know what got us onto it. And we were all like, "So it's eighty two, so that'd be a 27. And we we're all we we're all just mumbling to ourselves. And there was somebody, anybody, anybody, anybody got the answer to this? And then finally, someone's like, "Come on." Siri? 
<laughs> what? Yes. <laughs> well, we have better than Siri. Uh, Siri, our uh, listener Gary uh, says a U.S. gallon is three point seven eight liters. So does Vince. So does Audrey. So uh, now we have even more math to do to try and figure out what they're paying per liter in the states and Canadian doll. Oh. That, you don't want to do that conversion. No, I'm done. Because yeah, it's about right. 70 cents a liter Canadian. It really stinks. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, an investigation is underway to determine the cause of a fatal fire that took the life of a member of Winnipeg's homeless community. Global's Joe Scarpelli with details. It's believed about half a dozen people could have been staying at this homeless camp when a fire broke out Tuesday morning. One person has died and the cause of the fire is still under investigation. Crews were initially called here around 11 a.m. after reports of an explosion and fire. First responders found the tents engulfed in smoke and flames. Officials believe the explosions were a result of aerosols igniting. Anti-poverty advocate Harrison Powder watched as investigators combed through the scene. He came to check on the people here often. He says fires are common at sites like this, and although dangerous, the warmth is necessary for survival during the cold snap. This is like the, our worst fear. This, this is like... The one thing we were trying to avoid was the death of, you know, someone in the homeless community. But people need fire. They have to light a fire to stay warm, to survive. And every night they risk their lives by lighting a fire. He says he knows almost everyone who stayed at this spot, but hasn't been able to find out yet who the victim is. Joe Scarpelli, Global News. So we might recall that we were talking about this last summer because there were at least four fires at camps uh, in June and July, most of them near the Disraeli freeway. Two of them actually happened on the same day that officials were asking people to pack up and leave when they were trying to dismantle some of these camps. And then there was another fire in August, and the cause of that one still isn't known. But Greg, as that uh, advocate said in the story there, what happened yesterday was one of their biggest fears. They they fight to stay alive in the cold, and then they fight to stay alive with those fires. And so there's the big question, now what? How do we prevent this from happening again? You know, I, I think that's the, the big question is what happens now, because as you mentioned, the fears came to fruition over the summer. And then, of course, this tragedy yesterday, and you try and just balance out that whole notion of people and their independence and that maybe don't necessarily want to spend time in a shelter and they want to have their own independent, quote unquote, living situation uh, living on the street, but it's just so dangerous. And so when people make a move to to have these uh, communities dismantled it, it comes across as heartless but it really is a safety issue in a statement main street project said quote our thoughts are with those who will be directly impacted through this loss and we will continue to rally around with and for community it said its mobile outreach patrol would continue its work to support the community alongside winnipeg fire paramedic service but what immediate action should be taken at 707? We will speak to End Homelessness Winnipeg CEO Lucille Bruce to get her thoughts. I remember, la- I guess this would have been late summer, maybe even early fall. There was a homeless camp uh, across the, the across the river, uh, just off of Osborne, sort of beside the bridge. And I saw, vi- I didn't see it happen because it happened overnight. But someone caught video of part of the camp just up in in flames and then i think within a couple of days someone had come in and cleared 
everything out of there. But that's the danger when you see those things where you just go, I hope people in there are, are safe because how many there was that also there was that camp that was set up under the bridge yep. that the, the fire you could see the smoke from way far away so but these camps aren't going away right like it was a couple summers ago that it was this anomaly oh wow look at these camps creeping up what's going on with our homeless situation and now they're kind of feels like they're here to stay so what's what's a better solution because man as you said brett you we've seen it before are we on the verge of bidding the nine to five workday Good riddance, Dr. Sylvain Charlebois, professor and senior director of the Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University in Halifax, joins us now. Good morning, Dr. Charlebois. Good morning. So, uh, simple question, is the pandemic going to change our work life forevermore? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, I'm certainly not enjoying work from home. I have four children it, it's getting complicated, but apparently, based on some data coming out, uh, more and more people are getting used to the idea of working from home. And, uh, and of course, as a food specialist, I'm always uh, questioning how these movements will impact uh, the food industry over over the long term, I mean, there are lots of questions people are, are asking themselves. Are, are we going to be working from home more often? Uh, are people leaving cities? And, and if so, well, how will uh, food retailers and restaurants adapt? Those are really questions that are, are of interest to, to our group. Yeah, because we're seeing all sorts of data. It's not just, it's now we're coming up upon a year, Sylvana, people working at home or, or a large yeah. group of people working from home, and many might choose to do so. And so then, of course, as you mentioned, that impacts everything from the fact that I'm not grabbing my coffee in the morning, not going out for lunch maybe as much. Before we get uh, into that impact on the food industry, I mean, really, are we talking about the fact that not just we would go to work as much, maybe to our downtown offices, but we might not travel for work as much as, as well? Because people still need that face-to-face. Uh, absolutely. I think there are two models uh, that are uh, getting more traction these days. One is the is the flex model, so people working from home and at the office part-time. So you would work, say, two, three days a week at home and, and two, three days at work physically with other people. And, uh, and a lot of companies uh, in the U.S. and some companies in Canada are actually doing that. The other phenomena happening is that there seems to be uh, an increased interest in the four-day week. So instead of working five days, four days from home, for example, because I, I think everyone can relate to, to the fact that if you work from home, it's very, very difficult to disconnect. And so people are thinking about uh, perhaps a three-day weekend. And, and if you do that, I mean, if you think about the grocery store, Saturdays and Sundays are super busy because that's typically when most people can uh, can have time to actually grocery shop. But if you actually allow people to take three days off, then all of a sudden Friday or Mondays will become more and more will become busier. And uh, and the way you manage stores, the way you present products, the way you promote products will uh, change. And in food service, same thing. I mean, if you actually think about uh, restaurants, uh, people may actually go out more often on Thursday nights or Sunday nights uh, because on Monday you're not working. So a lot of these things are of great interest for, for the industry and for policymakers. So you touched on what it could mean for parts of the food service industry. What about things like hotels? 
Well, yeah, no, absolutely. Right now, I mean, uh, hotels are, are ghost towns. <laughs> I'm sure it's the same in Winnipeg. Uh, but absolutely, there's there's some adaptation in there as well. Uh, whether And, and I, I think there's, there's some good that could come out of this. Uh, you basically spread demand a little bit more. The way you promote uh, certain services, like hotel rooms, will change. Conferences, uh, uh, I don't know about you, but before COVID, I was attending a lot of conferences. Most of them were anywhere between Tuesday and Thursday. Well, if people actually have a a different uh, mode of work, then all of a sudden, a lot of possibilities can emerge. Perhaps even have conferences on weekends or early in in the week on Mondays, for example. Face-to-face interaction with our customers and people that are important to us isn't necessarily going to go away. I mean, the technology is pretty good, Sylvain, but nothing nothing beats a a face-to-face meeting in business. Absolutely. Absolutely. Without a doubt. And and in fact, a lot of people are saying, are we going to, like, use Zoom to sell cars and sell insurance and sell everything? Absolutely not, because uh, it will only take... A few months uh, after the pandemic for uh, a salesperson uh, knowing that the competitor actually has taken the client out, the prospect out to dinner. So guess what's going to happen? <laughs> They're going to go out to dinner as well. I mean, that's basically, this is human nature. It's business. Uh, if, if the competitor is actually going to take someone out uh, or, I don't know, will go to a conference uh, well, as a company to compete. However, with Zoom, with technologies, it does give a, an, a, also an advantage, a new advantage to small companies with little no means. Because they use because if you have a new product now you have more traffic online and I'm thinking about new food products in particular so you the pandemic actually could help smaller companies who have struggled to compete against the Kraft Heinz and the Unilever and the Procter Gambles of this world. Sylvain Charlebois joining us live on 680 CJOB. Sylvain, thank you very much, sir. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Professor and Senior Director of the Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University in Halifax. Is that the end of the 9 to 5 workday? I can't believe I'm saying this, but yesterday marked 25 years since the release of the film Happy Gilmore. Don't turn your back on me. Let's get one thing straight. This is Shooter's Door. I've worked hard my whole life, paid my dues, and now it's Shooter's turn. And Shooter's not about to let his reign at the top be spoiled by some freak sideshow clown. Did you just call me a freak? Hmm. I was on this tour for one reason, money. But now I got a new reason, kicking your ass. <laughs> I'd like to see you try. Let's do it. I'm in on a golf course. <laughs> Adam Sandler played a lousy hockey player who turns out to have a blistering golf drive, joins the pro tour to try and make some money for his grandma, triggering a rivalry with the best in the game, Shooter McGavin. So, of course, in honor of this 25th, Sandler released this video while he was at the golf course yesterday. Okay, it's been 25 years since I've done this. Let's see what happens. I'm scared. Shooter McGavin, this is for you. And I'm not lying to you, that is smashed. <laughs> smashed. 
And that went pretty well. You dead shooter. <laughs> so, of course, it didn't take long for Shooter, who loves to refer to himself in the third person 25 years later, I think, to respond. Nice drive, Gilmore. <laughs> 25 years, huh? Let's see if it's uh, Shooter's Tour. Check it out. Oh, yeah. It's all about the short game. <laughs> drive for show, putt for the dough. Money. Shooter. Still got it. Well, thank you to all the fans, and thank you to you, Adam Sandler. And, uh, why don't you just meet me at the ninth green at nine, Gilmore? Little secret of the pros. Okay? Oh, and, uh, Gilmore, wear something nice. <laughs> 25th anniversary, baby. Shooter. If you want to see those videos, by the way, we've linked a story to our 680CJOB Instagram story. Today's question, what is your favorite comedy feud? Text us at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win a $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza. Could be from a movie, TV show, cartoon, book, comic strip, whatever. If you've got a story you can associate with that, share that story. Let's go. Let's rip through this. We've got four minutes. Loren, we'll start with you. Well, this is because it harkens back to the same era as Gilmore, so it kind of went down a rabbit hole here. These two are enemies at the start of any sort of sketch or film, and obviously friends in the end, friends in real life. Here it is. You know what, Richard? You don't know me as good as you think you do. I care about stuff. I'm getting better at this sales thing. I'm not, but I could if you help me. Forget it. I got enough to do without having to change your diapers. Is this your coat? <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> that guy in a little coat. That guy in a little coat. Don't. <laughs> that guy in a little coat. That guy in a little coat. Take it off. I'm serious. Richard, what's happening? That, of course, is Chris Farley and David Spade and Tommy Boy. I love those two together, like how much they would sort of play off one another. And it wasn't really anger. It was just more hilarious comedy. And David Spade could never hold his laughter back. Even in film, you could tell he's trying not to laugh when Chris puts on that coat. They were great together. What was their other movie? Black Sheep? Black Sheep, yeah. yeah. Excellent. Those, All of them good. Yeah, they're so, still so sad that Farley's gone. Greg, what about you? Well, I don't think this was supposed to be comedic at the time when they made it, but somehow it was dramatic and absolutely Hilarious at the very same time. Made mistakes. And then he had us. There's lights out! Now you want to get nuts? Come on! Let's get nuts. Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What? I always ask that of all my prey. I just like the sound of it. <laughs> another man's rhubarb. <laughs> <laughs> 1992, that's Batman and a Joker, Keaton versus Nicholson, Batman Returns, 1992. Cam? Well, I, I, I had a tough time. It was Dr. Evil, Austin Powers, Bugs Bunny and Daffy, but there was really only one choice. Michael? Yes, Toby? Um, I need to talk to you in your office. It'll just take two seconds. <clears throat> um, literally two seconds? Somebody got donuts for my birthday. Happy birthday. You didn't know it was my birthday. I guess I forgot. Well, I guess I forgot to give you a donut. You're serious? Mm. Why are you the way that you are? 
honestly, every time I try to do something fun or exciting, you make it not that way. <laughs> I hate so much about the things that you choose to be. If I had a gun with two bullets and I was in a room with Hitler, Bin Laden, and Toby, I would shoot Toby twice. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Excellent poll, uh, Mike, Michael Scott and uh, Toby Flenderson uh, from The Office. Uh, the, just perfection. <laughs> Jeff Braun. Why are you the way you are? Happy Gilmore's grandma played by Frances Bay, raised in Dauphin, Manitoba, and she also played Mrs. Choate on Seinfeld, which brings us to Newman. You got some lip reader working for you. You gotta let me use it for one day, just one day. Can't do it, Newman. But but Jerry, we got we got this new supervisor down at the post office. He's working behind this glass. I know they're talking about me. It's not gonna happen. All right, all right, all right. You go ahead. You go ahead. You keep it secret. But you remember this: when you control the mail, you control information. Information. Uh, excellent. Uh, Everyone's better. Everyone got better, like, from the start. I love it. That's great. Classic choice, Jeff Braun. Thank you, sir. So what we need you to do at 204-780-6868 and Forte will get to yours at 718. At 204-780-6868, we need you to text us your favorite comedy feud. And if you've got a story associated with that, even better. $20 gift card up for grabs for Santa Lucia Pizza. We'll give that away just after 915. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we are asking you to text us 204-780-6868. Your favorite comedy feud. Yesterday was the 25th anniversary of Happy Gilmore, the Adam Sandler movie. And both Adam Sandler and the man who plays Shooter McGavin, his rival, Chris McDonald. They both posted videos, and it was a great trip down memory lane. And Jeff Fortier, when we talked about this at 6.50, didn't have time to get to your comedy feud. What was yours? Oh, you know what? I, it's so hard to pick. I... Just I had such big trouble, but uh, let's go with. Hello, Bart. Mom, Dad. Your family can't help uh, you now. Oh yes. I forgot about oh no, Dad's been drugged. No, he hasn't. And Homer's just sleeping. But uh, sideshow Bob versus Bart yes. Simpson. Always oh, a classic. There's so many different episodes. I enjoy it so much. Oh, that's a and great Kelsey poll. Grammer as Sideshow Bob, maybe one of the, the it, it, maybe my favorite supporting character in all of The Simpsons. He brought so much passion to that role. You could just, I like, he was so evil and nefarious, yes. but you felt bad for him because yeah. he kept getting foiled by Bart. By a kid. And then, do they not keep playing the Cape Fear music? Yeah. Which music is that throughout there? Yeah. So there's so many. Yes, that's excellent. I forgot all about Sideshow Bob. Uh, well done, Forte. The Cape Fear episode is so well done. So well done. That is an excellent suggestion, Mr. Forte. Thank you, sir. So keep your text coming, 204-780-6868. We're going to give away that Santa Lucia pizza gift certificate just after 9.15. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and we mentioned this earlier. Loren, there's a survey, and the headline is, Employees struggling with mental health issues say it's affecting work. 
Yeah, we were talking at 6.37 and again at 7.45 just about uh, working from home. Do you have that option? Do you not have that option? Do you find it to be better for your stress or worse uh, to be at home? And so there's a wide range of opinions coming in on that one. But this question falls uh, on the same week that we have the study out of the U.S. that came from an insurance company called The Standard. And and it surveyed 1,400 workers and said 46%, so close to half of full-time workers, are dealing with mental health issues uh, connected to their work. And a year ago, that was more like 39%. And the numbers are even higher for millennials, for that uh, older generation that, or sorry, younger generation rather. And so I'm curious this morning, you know, if you're at work, what's adding to your work stress right now? It might just be purely pandemic related. It might be that the fact that you have less business, it might be that you have more business. And then if you're at home, I think there was many people who thought, hey, this working from home gig isn't so bad. Have you changed your mind on that? Or do you find yourself going up and down on any given day, Greg? I have to turn my microphone uh, on first. And that's the biggest change, I think, for me, is even though that I'm in the same building as Brett, we're still essentially separated. And so for me, uh, being here has been a blessing. I will be honest, because I don't like to be home alone. Sometimes I don't mind being home alone, but this intermediate step has been really good for me in terms of my mental health and the ability to connect with you guys um, this way has been really good for me. And Brett, just even just talking in the doorway, 10 feet apart has been good for me as well. So um, I understand the mixed emotions some people are having with it. I also understand the struggles because I don't know, I don't know if I would have been able to do this this entire year. Yeah, because one, I was going to ask you that because you were actually sort of hesitant to come back because you had gotten used to being at home and and at least maybe uh, it was the routine around the yes. work day that worked out better for you. It was more the home life aspect. I think that was better. I don't think in terms of my work it was better. Does that make sense? Yep. Um, so for my work and my connection to work and and doing what I love to do, uh, this has been way better for me. Um, yeah, by a mile. I would straight up go insane if I had to to be at <laughs> home. I don't say that. I mean, I'm not trying to be flippant or, or whatever, but I live alone. Uh, the only people I see on a daily basis are the people I work with or mm-hmm. a clerk at the store. So if I was stuck at home, I probably, I, I actually think I'd be in serious trouble right now. So I'm glad that I get to come in. I'm very thankful that I remain employed, first of all, and B, that I get to come in and do what I love to do. because I- And I would just drive my neighbors insane, Lauren. <laughs> With the talking, I wondered about that, about how you do it with the, the, the level and the noise and coming and going and being up at four and then sticking around or two rather and, but being talkative around 4 a.m. And I, I dare I say this because I will regret it in a year time. I'm sure there's part of me that also misses the commute, that time to just like get my day ready as I go in. Yep. And the time to come home and sort of decompress. And, and so sure, put me back to work. I'll be complaining about my commute, I'm sure, in three months time. But right now, <laughs> there's something, there's a part of my day that I do not have that allows me just to take a deep breath. 30 and, minutes to yourself. Yeah, Alone maybe time. call a friend. Maybe do, maybe listen to a podcast while you're on your way home. Listen to the pregame sports show. Whatever, Brett, right? I, I miss the commute. Loren, do you snore? 
Well, I'd like to tell you no, but literally just last night, my kids were making fun of me about how I make a lot of noise some nights and so, and about how it's often with them. They, the impersonation that they did was not even remotely flattering. And, uh, <laughs> my mouth is apparently open and I'm making all sorts of, uh, weird noises. So yes, I snore. Sometimes the husband snores. Sometimes the kids snore. So I think. We're not alone, Brad. I think I think if you say you don't snore, then you need to put up a camera in your room. So coming up at nine thirty-five, snoring. What does it say about your health? Because we, you know, we can joke about it and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I, some of my buddies uh, just make an absolute symphony with their snoring. <laughs> but it, you know, some of them, ha- it was because of serious health problems that they had to get addressed. So we're going to talk to a doctor about that and tell find out what it means about our health. GMAC. Um, does your wife snore? <laughs> Does my wife snore? Yes. A little bit. Oh, yeah? Yeah, not a ton. Okay. Yeah, I, I'd wake myself up from my own snoring, so that's, <laughs> that's a whole other discussion altogether. I'm looking forward to this segment at 9.35, I think. And I just have to quickly ask you this, Greg, because we got a text message on the comedy feud front. Uh, somebody saying Leslie Nope versus Eagleton. You're all in on the <laughs> yes. Parks and Rec right now. I know Lorenz watched it, but you're are you rewatching this, Greg? Or are you watching it for the first time? No, I'm watching it for the first time. I might have caught the odd episode over the years, but I started it on the weekend, and I'm going all in on this. It's basically all I have on when I'm doing other things, and then I rewind to to check out certain things if the episode seems good. I'm uh, at the season now. Rob Lowe has entered the picture. Oh my gosh, is he ever funny in that? I, I, I just like him a lot but i don't get this eagleton what is eagleton their uh rival community pawnee's rival community maybe i haven't arrived at that yet oh well her best friend it's a one of her best friends who used to work for the town of pawnee then went over to work for eagleton and then eagleton for some reason has more money and wealth and people and then they put up a fence to divide the town and one side's graffiti and the other side is like oh paradise it's just a it's a hilarious thing and leslie nope she loves her gritty Pawnee, so when you mention Eagleton, she basically spits on the ground every time. Oh, I think it's like Fre- a Shelbyville type thing, right? I think Freddie <laughs> Spaghetti or something was performing at the library in Eagleton in the last episode that I watched, and then they had to sort of snag him from there to get him out to the uh, to the uh, park party. Anyway, I'm. Absolutely loving Parks and Rec. And right on cue, Jackie walked in yesterday. Are you watching that stupid show again? (laughs) And I said, yes, I am. She goes, you know, it's not funny. uh, Yeah, actually, it is funny. No, no, it's not. (laughs) Well, then you just get to enjoy it alone, GMAC. There's nothing wrong with that. So in our next segment, we are going to pick a winner. At 204-780-6868, favorite comedy feuds. But we do want to revisit a topic that we discussed earlier today. And this is a text message that we received at 204-780-6868. Someone who says, I am speaking from some personal knowledge. In 2014, I lost my job. In 2015, my EI ended, and suddenly I couldn't pay my mortgage. The bank foreclosed, and by the time I found another job... I owed too much, and because the file was in foreclosure, the bank would not accept installments on the debt. A last-minute personal miracle saved us, but we were within two weeks of homelessness in a Manitoba winter. I am no spring chicken and have known fear before, but I cannot describe the abject terror and immobilizing horror I endured at the time. 
Yeah. And I think that's, you know, we hear all the time, those studies that say that 50% or in around half of Canadians are two weeks away from, um, you know, they're living, sorry, they're, they're living paycheck to paycheck. So they're two weeks away from not being able to pay their next bill. And so that story there is emblematic, I think, of a situation many of us would be in if we just had that one little thing happen, like the bank or the foreclosure or you lose your job. And so it's really easy to start judging, I think, guys, on, on this front. And, and it's also easy to judge why, People might be choosing to stay outside right now and choosing to live in these tents, Greg, because uh, I think it's you think, oh, well, it's cold. At the very least, when it's cold, somebody who's struggling with homelessness might choose to come in. But we learned this morning that there are all sorts of reasons why they might not. Many people are fearful of going into congregate sites right now uh, because of of the COVID. And and so they choose not to to go to uh to emergency shelters to spend uh, the overnight during cold weather. And and so they end up setting up tents in the encampment area. And and that leads to another risk, of course, and that's the extreme cold weather. And uh, so, um, and, and because of the extreme cold that we've just experienced in the past two weeks, people then try to, survive and stay warm and of course uh in order to stay warm they'll do whatever it takes so that was lucille bruce we spoke to her after seven she's the ceo of end homelessness winnipeg greg but you know it's it there might be mental health reasons why you don't want to be in a group setting or you're afraid to you might be a, a single person who doesn't feel comfortable being in that environment and there might be that coronavirus fear there's all sorts of reasons that it's not simple enough to say well it's cold get inside Yes, I, I agree with you 100%. And, and we had our own takes and, and points of view on, on what might be at the core issue here and mental health and addiction comes up all the time. How about this from someone who knows a thing or two about this? One of our listeners who says uh, they spent seven years living on the street. I think I know what these folks need. It's because I spent age 15 to about 22 living on the street. This is a mental health issue 100%, not 95% or 80% or whatnot. Nope, it's 100%. We can argue later whether the mental health issues have led to addictions or the other way around, but addictions, mental health, homelessness can go hand in hand. What I got from living on the street as a kid, freedom, no responsibilities, and I got to stay high all the time. I didn't feel safer. I felt freer. I'd have told you I felt safer but that was an illusion. So thank you for sharing that with us, 780-6868. And then we also had an, uh, just an addition to the text that we read uh, previously from the listener who described abject terror, and they went on to say, I just wanted you to know that anyone can become homeless, and who or what you are matters zero in the face of a financial catastrophe. It isn't always a mental health or addiction issue, and we need to stop labeling and judging. I do it too. We all do. And we need to see the commonalities instead of the differences. Look, uh, I, I agree. Sorry, Brett, continue your thought. No, no, you, you go ahead. I, was... I just... Um... You know, our listener shared her story there, but I I have shared this story in the past, and I like to remind folks, um, I lost uh, my job, I lost my home just over 20 years ago. I had a car accident, 
which uh, created a, a, an undiagnosed brain injury that I dealt with for almost two full years without knowing what I was dealing with. Long story short, I uh, was living in Calgary at the time. I came home and my grandparents took me in and I was in my early 30s at the time. And you have no idea how many people in their circle told them, suggested to them that they kick me out that they send me on my way, that I was taking advantage of them, that I was doing something nefarious in order to get a free ride, quote unquote. Nothing could have been further from the truth. But when you hear it enough times, you start to wonder yourself about what's going on and you question your own need for help and what is really at the source or at the core of your issue. And I was just very fortunate that I have friends and family who care very much about me that I had a a soft spot to land. Not everybody has that in this world. And I think we need to keep that in mind. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. As you guys know, every year I participate in something called the Laker Classic. It's the annual boys golfing tournament this year. I believe we're going out to Hecla for four days in August, hopefully, uh, pandemic permitting, I guess. But uh, one of the guys who participates in this, uh, the first year he came over 10 years ago, he actually brought earplugs for everybody. And we said, what's this for? And he said, trust me, you're going to need this later when you hear once I go to sleep. And it turns out it's because he when he snores, he sounds like a rusty chainsaw cutting through a tin shed. It was uh, impressive to see how such a calm man by day can turn into what sounded like the gateway to hell <laughs> at night with his snoring. Just magical, really. Um, so, yeah, snoring. We, we all know somebody who snores real loud. Yeah, and I think it can be funny, maybe, Brett. I don't know, you tell me after you get through it or after you wake up and laugh at one another. or uh, But it amazes you how that person who's making those noises doesn't wake up. And at the time, it might feel more like this agonizing scene. Are you kidding me? Joey. Joey. Joey, 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 so that was, of course, a scene from Friends, but come on. Who hasn't lain next to someone who's been snoring and you think, how can you not hear yourself? And then you do something to get their attention. Oh, sorry, did I wake you? It's a real-life scenario, right, Greg? One of our listeners just texted to say, I need help with my husband snoring. In the last four months of snow, it has become so bad, I have to sleep on the couch. Sometimes, she writes, I'm sitting up in bed in tears because I am so freaking frustrated and tired of hearing it. Well, I would say that's representative of several people in my life as well, and I think, unfortunately, a lot of us are doing that to the ones that we love. Our next guest says snoring can be a sign of a much bigger problem for as much we're, as we're laughing about it right now. And this is whether you're an adult or a child. His name is Dr. Stephen Lawson of the TMJ and Sleep Therapy Center here in Winnipeg. 
And uh, Dr. Lawson joins us now. Good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you? Well, we're doing okay. And, uh, you know, I know we're making a light of it a little bit because I think for a long, long time, snoring was just that sort of a, an inconvenience. But we're, we're learning so much more about snoring and what it could be a signal of. Fair to say, doctor? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the clip you played was was hilarious, uh, but it's a fact of life. I mean, when you're unconscious, uh, you don't know you're snoring and you're going to you're going to wake up your partner and, and, and annoy them or they're just going to slam the door and leave the room and, you know, go down the hall to sleep. But, yeah, snoring is a, is a sign of airway obstruction. I mean, and you're only going to be a snorer if you, if you uh, can't breathe through your nose, so you're breathing through your mouth. Um, and if you're breathing properly, you, your nose is for breathing and your mouth is for food and water. But the bigger issue is if you snore, there's, um, it's a sign of an airway obstruction. There's a a possibility that there's more involved. It could be sleep apnea. It could be something called high upper airway resistance. But either way, these other things are pretty serious. So I think if somebody is concerned about their snoring, the first thing I'm going to do is uh, maybe dig in a little deeper and see if there's signs and symptoms of sleep apnea or some other more serious issue going on. Well, and on that front with the sleep apnea, some people might just have that kind of snap reaction, right? Like, oh, you snore, you must have sleep apnea. So are you suggesting that's not always the case? Uh, it's it's not. Um, um, very often it is. Snoring is a pre- precursor or a very, very much involved in sleep apnea. But you could also uh, snore a lot and not have sleep apnea. Uh, sleep apnea is, is something, you know, where you actually stop breathing for 10 seconds or more X number of times per hour. Uh, a mild sleep apnea might be, you know, zero to five or five to 15 times, uh, you know, per hour you stop breathing. But don't mistake the fact that uh, sleep apnea is people that scares people off quite often. They think they always need CPAP, you know, the, the mask and the, and the tank. But uh, sleep apnea is, uh, is uh, like, think about mild suffocation instead of, <laughs> or moderate suffocation instead of putting the apnea in there. Uh, but yeah, if you're snoring and you're affecting others and you, and, and you have morning headaches and your tooth grinding or clenching, you're unrefreshed in the morning or need a daytime nap high blood pressure, diabetes. These are all signs, and snoring is certainly signs of sleep apnea, but there's also, um, like I said, what's called high upper airway resistance, where you have all night long, you're snoring, let's say, and you have, you have arousals, mental arousals, but you don't necessarily have sleep apnea. And that actually makes you more tired during the day and causes more clenching and grinding. Either way, they need to be better. Yeah, I was going to say they need to be evaluated because we've had listeners text in this morning, uh, Dr. Lawson, and, and we're speaking with Dr. Stephen Lawson of the TMJ and Sleep Therapy Center here in Winnipeg. And they've said, you know, it's been, it's got, it's become worse over the last four months. And so I'm curious, you know, we might be spending more time at home. We might be more aware. We might be struggling to sleep ourselves and therefore hearing our partners making more noises. I'm curious, is this something that's becoming more common in terms of people coming to you with their concerns? Or are we just more aware now thinking that we can't just put up a snoring like it's an inconvenience? No, I think people, it's a combination of both. People nowadays are, are uh, whether it's parents for their kids, which we can probably talk about a bit, or just themselves, they're more aware of, of uh, sleep apnea and, um, and, and, that, that, um, and what the ramifications of it can be. Um, uh, being at home with COVID, yeah, I would say that magnifies issues and brings them a little bit more to the forefront. But um, they've always been there. People are just more aware now. And, they, and, and actually, they're a little more health conscious as well. So for somebody who's snoring, if they come to see me, I mean, I'm going to do an evaluation. I'm going to talk to them about a few things, do a clinical examination, of course. 
and then say, look, I think we need to do a sleep study. Now, doing a sleep study is you don't need to go to the hospital and do it. You can. You can go to the Misericordia Hospital, to the Sleep Disorder Center, um, or you can do a, and do a, a level one sleep study there overnight, or you can do a take-home sleep study, you know, which is very, very efficacious. You can get the same result. They're going to do a diagnosis. You have sleep apnea or you don't have sleep apnea. But the octa still snore. Okay, then let's look a little bit further into something else. So I have a little puppy who likes to snore. She's 13 and she's put on a little weight, so I, I'm going to guess that's related. But one of my kids also snores, uh, Dr. Lawson. Should I be concerned about that? Uh, actually, yes. Um, and um, because for the kids, same um, um, dynamics are in place here. I mean, if they're snoring, they're mouth breathers. Okay, it, That means they can't breathe properly through their nose. And again, the nose is for breathing, the mouth is for food and water. And, and the same thing applies. I mean, I would do an, a very serious math. The difference is that with the kids, you do a, a similar evaluation. However, um, there's things we can do with the kids to improve their breathing non-surgically. Um, there's a diagnostic process there. And it's the same thing, you know, for the kids, it, it might be, okay, are they snoring? Yeah. You know, do they ever stop breathing? Well, you may, may or may not know that. Are they restless during the day? Is there any bedwet, a history of bedwetting, ADHD, hyperactivity, morning headaches, tooth grinding, clenching? These are all pediatric screening uh, issues. These are all things that all relate to uh, your, your son, if it's a son or daughter who snores. It absolutely needs to be investigated, and it, it could be the same overall process in, in actually having a pediatric sleep study done. That would be done uh, at the Health Sciences Center, at the, the Pediatric Sleep Disorder Center. Um, but what we can do for the kids is, is profound because we can change their breathing if they're if they're breathing through their mouth and they're snoring. They likely have a very narrow you know, upper arch. The tongue has fallen down. The tongue should tongue should be planted on the roof of the mouth. You should be breathing through your nose. Your tongue should be fixed to the roof of the palate in your mouth, and your lips should be together. And if that's where we are, you're not snoring, <laughs> obviously. So there's things we can do non-surgically for the kids in, in almost every age group. We can uh, comfortably expand the upper arch, you know, and what happens then is the nasal airway opens up, and uh, now they can breathe their nose. Now, if they start breathing through their nose, we have the capacity to move a little bit further and provide different removable appliances to help promote proper tongue posture, proper lip seal, and actually turn these kids, uh, morph them into... Um, not snoring when they're an adult. Uh, you know, we can change all of these things in, during growth and development times, and, and it's all non-surgical, but it's actually very serious. When it comes to drinking, heavy drinking tends to lead to snoring almost automatically. Why is that? Well, alcohol and sedatives, you know, reduce the resting tone of the muscles in the back of your throat. No. Let's maybe d- digress for a second. I mean, you can be at the bar all day long, <clears throat> and you're not snoring if you're drinking, right? So it has to do with your conscious and unconscious, but alcohol will reduce the tone muscle. The brain, here when you're conscious, um, controls the, the muscular tube. It's a muscular tube, the back of your throat. And and when you're conscious, your brain controls that muscle tone. I mean, like I said, you don't hear somebody snoring at the bar when they're having a few beer. On the other hand, when you become unconscious and you lie down, your brain no longer controls that. It's a neurologic function. So... It's important to know that, number one, not to have a few drinks within three or four hours of going to bed. 
or it'll just magnify the case. It'll take somebody who's a non-snorer and morph them into a snorer if they have, you know, alcohol, too much alcohol before sleeping. Um, so that's the effect of, of the alcohol. But the, the issue of snoring and, and combined with the alcohol has to do with being unconscious versus conscious. Um, when you're lying down, whether you're on your side or your back, well, you lose a muscle tone, the tongue drops back, and now, now you, you're obstructing the airway and you're snoring. So that's kind of the – so two things are, are important. You know, number one, uh, don't drink too much before going to bed. Uh, number two, um, there's different products you can wear right now to promote functional nasal breathing, like a Breathe Right strip would be one. If you're breathing through your nose properly and your lips are together, you're not snoring. That's just logical. So if we can improve nasal function, we're going to reduce the snoring. Dr. Stephen Lawson of the TMJ and Sleep Therapy Center here in Winnipeg, joining us live on 680 CJOB to talk snoring. Dr. Lawson, thank you very much for this. Very much appreciate the time. My pleasure. You guys have a nice day. You too. And I think we might actually have to continue this conversation tomorrow because we've all got stories about snoring. And like I said, some of them are just funny. And others, like the, I mentioned, my, my buddy who had a just a in crazy snoring. He he had surgery, and now he has, as he describes it, the uh, the Darth Vader sleep apnea machine because he and his brother both had sleep apnea, and they both have the breathing machine, and it's changed their lives. Yeah, changed yeah. my dad's life too. My dad got that uh, machine. My dad would have to in his fifties. He was a busy guy, and he'd be on the road doing sales calls. And I'll never forget the time, Loren. I was driving from Brandon to Minnedosa, and there was Ross asleep in his car at the side of the road. He probably didn't sleep for twenty five years, and he got that sleep apnea machine. It changed everything for him. I'm sure, and that's also it's changed things for partners too, who say that they can get through the night. We had a listener texting to say that's been a game changer for their relationship. And I guess lesson learned, I should stop just pinching his nose and covering his mouth to get him to wake up. Well, it depends on your ultimate plan. (laughs) Just tap, 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 please. What is the strategy? What's the end game, McNabb? Well, the end game is that he often turns to me and says, you know you're doing it too, right? (laughs) (laughs) Also, it was nice uh, for Moose to come along and say hi. Oh, Moose has figured out how to get downstairs. The gate hasn't been put up because he was too scared to venture the stairs. But my God, he has discovered it and he is a terror right now. (laughs) He has chewed up 97 different things. He's at the microphone cord right now. There's no stopping him. Moose, get it together, man. These are not chew toys. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.